We ask you to come and use Rebecca to actually transform us, to actually uh, zero in in places in our hearts and minds and lives that need your attention taken in that space. I just ask that you would use her. I ask that her words would be so just profound because it's you speaking to us and that it would uh, go through every age barrier. And God, even ones that have a hard time hearing the word, that you would just speak through her, that there would be such clarity and such an anointing. And I ask that your promise that signs follow the preaching of the word fall upon this meeting. And we just bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I open with a scripture, would you stand up for the reading of the word? In Ecclesiastes 3.11 and then to 14, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into the heart of man, so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. I have perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor nothing taken from it. God has done it, so that the people fear before him. Put your hand on your heart and say, God has put eternity in my heart. You may be seated. We all start somewhere, and we all, like, the earth started at creation, yes? Everyone agreed? Come on, you got to get loud up in here. (laughs) It's way more fun. I was thinking about how God works through time, and through the time of, from the beginning until current day, and then already has time established through eternity. And I was thinking about, like, even back in the beginning, when there wasn't Nike shoes, And there wasn't, like, electricity to flip a switch. You know, like, he knew that that would come. He knew cell phones would come at some point. But when creation was happening, it wasn't at that time. And as time progressed, like, there were specific times that things were revealed to the people. And things happened at specific dates. And God is never late And he's never been in a a place of delay. He's always on time. Have you ever felt like God's been late on anything? No one? Okay, one person. Okay, a couple of you. He's never been late. Isn't that a good thing to know? And so in the past, like when things were happening in your life, there's different, different pieces of your life, right? When you're a child. Did you know like even when you were born... And when you die, it's all set. It was set and it was nothing you controlled. That profound thought that God is that in control, that he brought you to the earth at such a specific time and a specific hour. Because man did not control that. And I just love that in the midst of our story, there's so many pieces. 
There's the pieces you like and the pieces you don't like, right? There might be pieces you'd be like, I could just throw that one aside. Anybody have a piece like that? Anybody have their favorite part of their story, their piece of their story? Like, And it's woven together. And sometimes when you're walking through your story, you're like, why is this even happening or that even happening? Because you just don't always understand the fullness of it, right? So I want to take you into the story of Joseph in Genesis 37. You can turn in your Bible there, and I'm going to piece through his story. Um, at the beginning of his story, he is the, Joseph is the son of, the, of Israel, and he's the 11th child. And at this beginning of his story, he was 17, and his father had loved him well and gave him a beautiful coat of many colors. Sometimes I wish I could have a, like a glimpse into the past of what did that coat look like? Because what you think it looks like and what I think it looks like are probably totally different. Was it all the way to his feet? Was it just like, you know, to here? Did it have buttons? All, all the things that you could think. And, and then... In his 17-year-old self, he had these two dreams. And as he shared these dreams with his family, his brothers already were kind of mad because he got the coat and he didn't. I know if I gave my kid, like, the best pair of Nikes, the other ones would be like, excuse me? Like, what about me? You know, they felt that. Have you ever felt animosity between your siblings? Anybody? All, all. Okay, at least some of you. Was it just when you were a kid? I mean, they were like not happy with him. They were jealous. They were mad. And, and mad enough that they took vengeance on him and they threw him into a pit. And then like they were going to kill him and then they're like, we shouldn't do that because then the blood would be on us. So then they move forward and they're like, we'll just sell him. I'm glad none of my, my sisters sold me. They're in the room. They can't now anymore. They might have thought about it at one point. Oh, she said they tried. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I was so loved as a child. <laughs> and they did this. And so sometimes I think we, we sit in our own understanding of what's happening. And so even in this story, if, 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 if it was the first time I was, tell, was telling you the story, you might be like, I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? And, and, but he, Joseph was sitting in his story and didn't know what was going to happen. He was sitting in that space and he didn't understand all that we understand because we can turn the page and read a couple more paragraphs and we understand a whole lot more about his story. But he was living it day in and day out, just like you are for yourself. You're living your story in, day in and day out. And the thing is, is like the God that we serve is actually in control. And when we think others are doing things, he might be the one doing it through them. And we only like to look at it through the, the eyes of a blessing. Oh, someone blessed me with $100 that God told them, and that was awesome. But someone does this bad thing in my life, and I'd be like, that was the devil. And, and the devil's not, that's not okay with me. But in Psalms 105, 17, he was talking about Joseph and he said that Jesus, or God spoke this. He said, I sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he, what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. And that, that word that was 
the word that was to come and to come to pass was back when Jesus, sorry, when God spoke to Abraham. And Abraham was his great-grandfather. And he told them in Genesis 15, it's not on your screen, but he told them that just know this for certain, that your offspring will be sojourners in, in Egypt. And now Jesus, through the word, God, he spoke and said, look, you guys thought you did it, but I actually sent him. And I think it's interesting to think that he sent him as a slave. I don't really like that thought that much. To think that God could position me as a slave for his kingdom. Because we like to look at our lives and think the only the good and the glorious are the kingdom. And sometimes God is working through all the pieces. He could take the, the worst piece of, of your story, the piece that maybe you're like, I don't know what I would do with that. And a lot of times we just take it and we throw it away. And that's the pieces he's going to take and want to make something out of. And as he was bought from Pot to Potiphar, sorry, as Potiphar bought him. I love this in Genesis 39, verse 2 and 3, it says the Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of the Egyptian master, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. His position at this point was still a slave, and God was with him. In your story, in the hard parts of your story, God is still present very, very present. And sometimes we don't have the full picture and the understanding, but we can always say, God is here. And when you call upon him, he says he'll be right there. And in the midst of such a horrible place that I would never want to have to walk through, God was very present and, and made him actually grow made him actually be strengthened. He actually grew in wisdom. He grew in an understanding that he didn't have. But God was positioning him. And in the midst of that, he was probably like, okay, how many more days am I going to have to live this out? How much longer? Time, we get caught in time. Have you ever felt like that? How much longer, Lord, until this season's over? I'm kind of over this season. I'm, I'm real over it. I mean... Winter is coming. Sorry. People get over winter really quick. Like, how much longer? Can we just get the snow to shut off and summer come back? You know, like, people feel that way. There's a few of you. I would rather have winter. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm in the right place. <laughs> he was accused. And all of a sudden, another mess happened. And, and Potiphar's wife accused him of doing something he didn't do and he was thrown in jail again not a place that I would like and all of a sudden he might have been saying God how much longer and he and then the next season doesn't seem like it might have been just a little bit harder and as he's like in the midst of this season and God's working the tapestries of his story and his now He's taking these, these things that he's learning and he's 
weaving them together, and they're sitting, and God is sitting with him. Could you put this, the next scripture on the screen? I don't know which one it is, sorry. This one. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. He's sitting in prison. It wasn't pretty. And God was on him then. So it doesn't matter where you're at in your journey, in your story, and how terrible it might look from the outside. It does not mean that God cannot pour his steadfast love in and show you who he is. And the thing is, is he's sitting in this and he becomes the leader of the prison. And he's doing this. But did you know that he needed to be in that specific location because the cupbearer and the other, um, the food taster, I think, came into the prison at that time? And if he wouldn't have been just so in that prison, they would have never had an encounter. And he needed, God was like, I need him to be right here. I know it's not pretty. I know it doesn't look exactly like what you'd like, but just right here because that person needs to encounter him right here. And he actually got to interpret the dream so you can see his consistency of his faith. Saying, oh, God could actually tell you what those dreams mean. And he did, and it actually came true. One of them got beheaded, and the birds ate his head, and the other one kept serving the king. And then he forgot about him. And guess how many years passed by? Anybody know? Pastor does. <laughs> a roll. <laughs> a, a student over here. <laughs> two years went by. How many of you guys have still been waiting? Two years. In your now. I want to tell you about like something from, from my space and, and me and where I was a few years ago. It was like the weekend that Romero passed away. And for those that are in the room that don't know, that was my husband. And it was like eight years ago. Um, we were sitting and in a place I didn't expect us to sit again back in the same hospital. And, <laughs> you know, when things are bad and then they get worse... Well, it felt like that because our fridge broke at the same time. Like, so I'm like at the hospital, we're looking online at refrigerators to think that maybe if he gets out of the hospital on Monday, we could buy the refrigerator. And all, it was just like a lot of chaos. You, you know, when you don't need another thing, anybody ever feel like that or, you know, thank you. I feel like Joseph probably felt like that sometimes in his journey. Like, again? Like, what is going on? Like, why, why is this happening to me? All those kinds of things. And so as I'm sitting there and we're looking at this refrigerator and all these things, um, the weekend passed because we were hoping it was through, like, uh, Memorial Day weekend. So we were hoping to get a sale on the Monday. And Romero passed away on Sunday. We never got to go by the refrigerator. But in the midst of all of it, one of my friends from out of town came in town and she just was like a great support in, in the midst of it. She was like, and she recognized that our fridge was not working. And she went to the store and bought a fridge and she told me, I'm going to have it delivered. And I was like, really? Well, that's like something off my plate. Thank you. You know? And I was, anybody like a specific fridge? Or you don't care what kind of fridge you have? 
See, I like a specific fridge, and I didn't get any say in the fridge. I was very thankful, don't get me wrong. But the fridge that she bought was the exact fridge that Romero and I had picked out, and she had no idea. The exact fridge, because it didn't have the water on the door. I did not like that. And I was very thankful for that. I still am. But as I stood in my kitchen, and I was looking at a fridge that the Lord had done this great work, I was a little perplexed. Because I'm like, God, why do you care so much about me having a refrigerator, but my husband just died? And we sit in these perplexities of sorts when we can see that God is very present, but we don't really like how he's being present because we want him to be present a certain way. And I would say that Joseph probably felt that way. Like, God, I I can see you're present in my story, but I'm not really liking that I'm sitting in prison right now. And I feel like sometimes we see God and we can get very, very obscured in who who God is in in our story, in our journey, because it's not exactly how we think when we we see him doing things, we think it's going to end up this way. And we get very set on our mind like, oh, God is probably going to do this. And when this doesn't happen, then we're like, what? We don't like it that much. But the idea is that you would see Jesus. That he's very present. That you wouldn't say, I need to see you this way or that way, but you would just say, I want to see you. Because Jesus is everything. And that's an easy statement to make. But in reality, if you lost everything... Even, the, even your spouse, if you lost your spouse, but you still had Jesus, guess what you have? You still have everything. And we really don't think that sometimes. But it's the truth. Do you see the truth of that statement that he is actually everything? And he has to be everything in your world. Jesus has to be everything to you. Because everything else is just a little bit of a bonus. Because when you have him, you have everything he is. And the reason you can't sit in those moments and say, God, why did that happen? Is because honestly, your frame of mind doesn't have the ability to perceive that Abraham got prophesied that 400 years his offspring would land in Egypt. Joseph is just walking just a moment of the story. He doesn't see the full picture. He doesn't probably understand. Like, I don't know why I'm here. And maybe you won't understand all of it, but you can ask. Have you asked the Lord, hey God, what are you doing right now in my story? What are you saying about my story right now? Instead of getting bent out of shape because it doesn't look like you think it should look, that you actually would say, God, what do you want me to know right now? I don't have to know all the whys, but you could tell me right now what you want me to know. And he would show you and he would give you the understanding. So if you keep going in his story and he interprets the dreams and, and then all of a sudden, Pharaoh had this dream 
And he's asking all the wise men of the earth, what does it mean? And they're like, we don't know. They didn't understand. It's about very ugly cows. I had the opportunity to sit with my grandmother, and this is one of the last stories she read to me, and probably from my own understanding of memory for the last however many years, the, the only time she read the Bible to me. And I actually nudged her. I said, what do you think those ugly cows actually look like? Because they weren't just ugly. They were very ugly. <laughs> I like when the Bible talks and gives such like definition of, or thought. It makes you, your imagination wonder, what did they, why, why say very ugly versus just they're just ugly cows? I mean, honestly, aren't all cows kind of ugly? Just, just curious. Maybe you like them and they're your favorite. Sorry. I like hippos, so we can all have our own favorite. It's all right. (laughs) But all of a sudden, Joseph was remembered by the cupbearer because he had had that encounter. And they brought him quickly. They shaved him. They cleaned him up. And they brought him into this moment. And in Genesis 41, 25, it says, And then Pharaoh said, Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh are one, and God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And if God is going to show someone what he's about to do in the past, can't he do it now? Can't you say, God, what are you going to do right now? Can he give you a dream about what he's doing in the earth right now? What about for your family and your job and the things of the earth? Like, what is he doing? And if God did that for Pharaoh, a wicked king of sorts, uh, you're his own daughter and son. Might he show you what he's doing on the earth? Pay attention and ask the question. God, what do you want me to know that you're doing right now? And, and then in Genesis 41, 32 through 33, it says, and then the doubling a Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is affixed by God and that God will bring it about shortly. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh send, select a discerning and wise man to set over the land of Egypt. And this was the now of Joseph. He got to step in a position that he actually was made for. He had been doing this and learning how to do the business of this. And then this, this famine was coming onto the land that was fixed of God. And he was right in the right place. And this wasn't just about Joseph and Joseph like getting through the famine and helping the Egyptians get through the famine. No, God was about something way bigger than Joseph. And what God's doing in your life should be way bigger than you. It should far exceed just who you are. And his timing was so perfect. Like the thing is, God knew that the famine was coming. And he knew that Joseph needed to be right in the right spot because Joseph would do the work. And in the midst of it, the part part that Joseph had to do was guard his heart. And he says he named his sons in Genesis 41. He said one of them he named was Manasseh. And it says, for God has made me forget all my hardship and all of my father's house. And the name of the second was Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Because he kept his eyes on Jesus. 
in the midst of all the hard, in the midst of all the issues, he declared, this is who God is in my story. And sometimes we have to look beyond our issue. We have to look beyond whatever the affliction is, whatever's hard in your story, whatever it is. I had to stand there and look at our refrigerator, and I still do, and say, I declare the glories of God because he is who he said he is. And that, testi- that fridge is a testimony that God never left me. It, he never left. When all of it went crazy and everything in my life turned upside down, he never left. He remained And he's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. Just because it doesn't look written like you think your book should be written like, doesn't mean that God is not faithful. Because his picture and what he sees is far, it far exceeds what you can do. He created you with such a purpose that's beyond you. And we get fixed on us and what God's doing for us and What's he going to do in my story? And God's like, but you're just a part of the big story of my love directed to the earth. You get to be a piece of my story. He's saying that to you. You're a part of my love story. And and I get to express the love through you to the people of the earth. Because it's so much more. He always is working. When you come to Romans 8, 28 in the word of God, and it says that he works all things together for your good. It's according to his purpose. So when I look back into my story and see the loss of Romero or, or this issue or that issue, because there's more than like, you know, we all have our story, right? When I look back, I can say, well, God's working all of that together for his purpose, for the good. And I have to contend in that space. Sometimes you have to contend in that space and contend in it. And then contend in it again. See, Joseph understood once his brothers came, to the, came after the seven years of the fruitful and into two years of the famine, his brothers showed up on the surface again. Do you remember those guys that were mean to him? They all of a sudden wanted the food that he had been storing. Ever wondered about them? How much agony that might have been through all those years of thinking they lied to their dad and never knowing where their brother actually was or whatever happened to him. And the torture and the guilt that they might have had settled in their heart and how bad they felt because when they came into that place and he didn't reveal himself to them the first time and they left and they got caught with the the coins in their bags, they kind of thought, oh, this is because we did that. This is because we did that, and now we're, in, we're getting paid back for it. Uh-oh. And I think sometimes in our story, we look at our story like they might have. Oh, the shame and the guilt of what we've done. Oh, this is why this is happening. And he said to his brothers after he revealed himself to him and says, Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. See, God was working on their behalf, even though they, they, what they look like and what they were doing didn't seem so nice. God was still working on their behalf. He had sent Joseph so that they could actually stay alive, to, to actually live through this terrible por- portion of time of seven years of the famine. 
And then in Genesis 45, 7, it says, And God sent me before you to preserve a remnant on the earth, to keep alive for you many survivors. So this was not you who sent me, but God. That's a position in your heart. To say any part of my story is God-written, God-working, God-breathed. To not look at it with haste and frustration. He could have, right? Anybody think so? He so could have. And the thing is, is God was working that he would bring them into Egypt. Like he had said, because he wanted them to prosper there. And, he, and they actually did. They became so fruitful and so increased. And they had so much because God already knew that in the time of that season that Moses would be born. And he had already known that Moses would be born into that space. And he knew that Moses would lead them out of that space. And then he knew that the judges would come and the kings would come and then David would come on the scene. He already knew and he established it. Because he kept moving them into different locations, into different spaces, so that they might know him. And so maybe God moving you from one space to another to another is just the fact that you might know him more. That you might understand how mighty the God you serve is. He is so mighty, and he does everything with purpose. There isn't one thing he's not doing in your story that that doesn't have purpose. And he told his father that um, Israel that you should go and see Joseph and move into that land. And I love part of this verse I'm going to read to you. And it says I, that God said to, uh, to Israel, he said, I myself will go down with you to Egypt and I will bring you up again. God was even walking with them into Egypt and remaining. I'm going to bring them back. He's positioning his people with purpose. And the purpose of of the future and the next thing in, in, in our story really has to be a mindset of eternity. Jesus said he's coming again. See, Jesus, David was there, and then the kingdom came through Jesus. And Jesus lived, right? Everybody agree? And then he died, right? And then he rose again. And now what are we waiting for? Anybody know? Come on, say it louder. (laughs) Yeah, we're waiting for him. And you're now can't be complacent. You're right now in history can't be, well, whatever happens, happens, and I just don't care, and whatever, and I'm saved, and good luck, everybody else. And we, as the body of Christ, need to awaken ourselves to the reality that eternity exists, heaven and hell exist, and that Jesus is coming again. And just because he's delayed, it doesn't mean he's not coming. He's just patiently awaiting all those people you need to reach. Who is it that's on the other side of your testimony that needs to hear your testimony that would stir their hearts for salvation? Who have you shared your testimony with recently to say, this is what God did for me and he can do the same for you. 
We have to awaken. Did you not know that this part, this part of eternity is a mystery? How do you guys know what heaven's going to look like? If you say streets of gold, we all know that. We all know that. I mean, that's just like, that's not it. That's just like a piece of a, of a, what could it be like? When's the last time you dreamt of, of what heaven will be? That you've thought and wondered what it will look like when the new heaven and the new earth come. Are you awake to the reality that that is going to happen? Come on, we have to be so alert and so awake because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion ready just to take you out. Anybody felt like he wanted to take you out? I have. No kidding, I have, and I'm like, if I have, then a lot of people probably have. The gift of the mystery is that you don't know. You know why you don't need to know? Because then you'll seek him, and you'll search for him, and you'll be in an active pursuit of who he is. If you knew it all, then what would you do? What do you do when you know everything? You get bored, right? I got challenged today to learn how to braid my hair because I don't know it and I'm too old not to know it. You know, like we can be older and not know everything. We need to push into more. We need to know God more. You can't just rely on your Sunday school learnings. You can't rely on your relationship for when you were in elementary school and they told you about knowing the ark and then I'm good. No, you need more of God in your life. You need more of him. And Jesus, Jesus literally declared it to you. Matthew 24, verse 43 and 44, it says, Therefore, this is Jesus speaking. He said, stay awake. Maybe shake your neighbor and tell him to stay awake. It's nice when you're all awake when I'm preaching, by the way. For you do not know the day that the Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and he would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour. You do not expect it. And it is so, so, so important that you would wake up and that you would ready yourself for the coming of Jesus. This is, this is, it's a vital message for you today that you need to ready yourself for his coming. You can't just rely on yesterday's manna. Today is the day you need to know the Lord. You need to be stirred up with the kingdom. You need to have fire in your bones. You need to be holy. You need to be pure. You need to do the work of the Lord. You need to stop getting so busy with your own work and your own self and all the things that the world's trending and do the work of the Lord. You need to preach the good news. You need to love more people. When's the last time you really loved someone like your neighbor? You just went out of your way with extravagant love. Because we got to extravagantly love people. Because the world loves them. But it's fake. It's not real. It's empty. It's dry. The world's empty. It changes all the time. Just think about yourself when you, when you're like, oh, I love this. And then like two days later, you're like, I don't like that anymore. It always is changing, but eternity never changed. When he put eternity in your heart, it's because that's where your aim is. 
You have to get back to your heart and what God put inside of there and say, God, breathe on it. Put life back into it. Let me be so present now with you that I don't waste one moment of what you've called me to do. That I don't waste one second. He's lended you the time in your life. What are you doing with it? 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, Behold, now is the favorable time of the Lord. Now is the day of salvation. That's right now. That's not any, that's not like, oh, people got in revival before. It's right now. There's a time that, that you have that's your watch. It's on your watch right now to do the work of the Lord, to, to go after the things of Jesus. And how you do that is this. You do just what Jesus said. He said it in John five nineteen. It says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. And Pastor Ruth preached a message last week about your eye seeing. You have to be able to be so aware of what God is doing. So sensitive because you're living life, but you're changing the kingdom. You should live life, but you should bring the kingdom everywhere you go. You should be looking for opportunities to change the world and not be so consumed with how the world might change you. No, I'm a powerhouse and we're going to change the world. We, we want to step and be like, well... At least we're not being changed. No, you should be the one breaking the, the, the chains and, and setting the captives free and seeing the eyes of the, the blind see and the deaf ears open. You carry the power. And if you don't do it, who's going to do it? Maybe nudge your neighbor say, are you doing it? Because they need to, you need to nudge each other. We need to spur each other on for good works, for the things of God. Jesus is coming living through his spirit. What the thing is, is don't get caught up in the thought like, oh, he's working this and, he, and then he's going to do this. And then, oh, for sure, this is what it's, what it's going to look like. Because you don't, you don't always know what it is that he's actually doing, but you can always trust the process. Because the one that it says in Revelation is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who was the one who is and the one who is to come is Jesus and he's the same he doesn't just sit here and work in this space he's all it's all in him it's all in him it's one and the same you serve the god that that carries the whole he knows the whole and he can reveal through his spirit to you more than you even can comprehend but guess what he can make your brain comprehend it He can take you into a a place of exceedingly more. Because Jesus is so good. Don't get caught up with the lust of the flesh. Don't get caught up with this present age. Don't get caught up in the things of this world. Let them grow so dim in comparison of the glory of who he is. Keep your eyes on Jesus. But get excited about it. Come on, get excited about it. If you're not excited in these four worlds, I don't know how you're going to be excited in Walmart. 
I mean, we got to get really excited here. So then when we get out there, we're way excited. Like we have to. is coming and your testimony brings freedom to people and your boldness and your courage I'm declaring that over you that it would function for you where you're like whoa I didn't even know I could do that that his power would reside in you to bring the good news that you would be carriers of the good news no matter where you go, that your face and your life would reflect the kingdom, that he would be everything to you so that there isn't anything else you want to share except who he is. Would you stand with me? In Revelation 22, verse 20, it says, He who testifies to these things, surely I'm coming soon. And the people said, and then it says, Come, Lord Jesus. Would you say that? Yes. God, we just want more of you. We really don't care what our stories look like because we know you're always working. We want to give you all of us today, God. All of our time. We lay our time at your feet, God. Have your way. Val's going to come and play the goodness of God for us as we just have a moment. Maybe you need a moment at the altar just to surrender some things to the Lord. Maybe there is an opportunity if you don't know the Lord as, as Savior, this is an opportunity for you to come to Jesus. He opens wide his arms. we ask that you would move in this place that you would speak to us about what you're doing God we ask that you would tell us what you want us to know so that we know what to do and you would tell us what we should do and we'll we'll obey God that is our hearts cry to you
put eternity in your heart I'm great with great purpose and I brought like some little hearts that you could take to remind yourself eternity exists in me the king Jesus that pull that desire to know him more he put it in there on purpose with great purpose so God we just thank you for this moment we thank you for what you you stirred in our hearts we thank you for meeting with us thank you for speaking to us God we just love you and we just thank you in Jesus name amen Pastor Mike Put your hand on your heart this morning. Jesus, so good. Bless you, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face, his holy face, shine on you. May the Lord be gracious and lift up his compassion upon you and give you peace in the mighty and lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.